0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this, the latest episode of The Curated Culture. I am your gracious, humble host, Rob, aka Robbie Diesel. And man, I am very glad and very thankful to be back on the side of the living. If you can't hear it or can't tell, my voice is still a little bit off. Um, I spent the better part of last week just absolutely demolished with sickness. (laughs) Um, I think I actually started to come down with whatever I came down with um, while I was recording the last episode because I was, you know, kind of hankered down in bed, hunkered down in bed. And uh, I just I couldn't get warm. And then the next day I woke up with like just just the teeniest, tiniest tickle in my throat. And then by the time I woke up Tuesday morning, I was just completely and totally wrecked. So, um, yeah, man, that was tough Thursday. I actually ended up losing my voice completely. So I talked with a very, very low whisper for a couple of days and then um saturday like late saturday evening i finally regained that so here we are as soon as i could talk again i knew i wanted to record to make sure that i stayed on my schedule and to make sure that i put out content so that y'all have something fresh and new and fun and exciting to listen to on monday uh, so here we are, man. Um, I first and foremost, want to say thank you guys again for listening, for checking us out. Um, listenership is trending up and up and up. Uh, so since I have made my glorious, fantastic, long-awaited, apparently long-awaited return, um, numbers are, are, are well on the show. Which you know, I don't, I don't talk about that too much, um, but it is, and, and that again just speaks to um the people who are for whatever reason enjoying this show enjoying the content that we produce and we put out so again thank you so very much if you want to show your support right now i'm not going to ask you for any money until my show starts blowing up all the way and i decide that i want to sell out then i'm going to start asking for money (laughs) um but until then The best way that you can show your support, man, is um, by simply subscribing to this show, however you're listening to it, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Amazon, Samsung, however you get your podcast. If there's an option for you to subscribe, do that. Secondly, if there's an option for you to drop us a five-star rating or review, do that. Because that helps us out in the algorithm that helps us get in front of more eyes and into more ears. And that just makes the show a bit more prominent, man. So we can push this thing on into the stratosphere. Also, if you're a social media type of person, then definitely don't hesitate to uh, make sure that you drop us a follow on any of our social media channels via at The Curated Culture on Facebook and Instagram at underscore curated culture on twitter and then you can follow me personally at robbie diesel on the tweets on the instagrams on the snapchats on the tiktoks whatever whatever your fancy is whatever your poison is specifically make sure to drop your boy a follow man um we always tremendously appreciate it and um without further ado man i think we should uh i think we should just jump right into the show So this past Saturday, WWE held their 35th annual Royal Rumble, and it was a great show. I I actually really dug it. And and for starters, it's really weird to say this Saturday because I'm I'm an old soul. I'm an old cat. So I remember when the WWE slash WWF pay-per-views were on a Sunday, and um you know you ended up. Staying up kind of late, getting in trouble with moms, trying to finish that pay per view, knowing damn well you had to be at school first thing in the morning and the next day. But those pay per views were always hype, man. And um, this one actually uh, exceeded all of the expectations that I had. The top to bottom, the show was was really good. Um, it started off with the men's Royal Rumble match, which it, it started great. There was so much. For the first time in a very long time, there was an insane amount of talent in the ring all at the same time. You had uh, Gunther was in there. You had Seth Rollins in there. You had Brock Lesnar in there at one point in time. You had both of the New Day in there. You had uh, peeps from the Judgment Day in there, like all of the big names and factions from wwe were all in the ring at the same time and it it really lended way to like this bigger badder feeling like you knew something about the night or something about the rumble in particular was going to be special and then the middle of the rumble happened and it kind of sputtered out a little bit and um i said i'm not i'm not a fan i am not a big fan of the wasted spots So and what I mean by that is, you know, you've had these fastest Royal Rumble eliminations. It's cool. You know, you can you can do that once, twice, maybe even three times, you know, to break that record. But after a while, that spot kind of gets old. Right. And then they also did something with the number 17 entrant, which was supposed to be Rey Mysterio. But instead, his music hit. He didn't come out. And then they set the timer again and the eighteenth entrant was Dominic Mysterio, Ray's son, and it was like, why? Why do why do we need to keep doing the who done it? I understand if that spot is reserved, like let's say hypothetically they had somebody who was gonna take Rey's spot at the number seventeen and they actually ended up ambushing him, but they didn't. They just completely and totally blew a spot which the, the rumble is one of my favorite wrestling events all year and i feel like you know yeah maybe you don't have them win the whole damn thing but you know if, if you're gonna burn a spot in the rumble why not save it for a legend you know do the surprise returns those always 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 play well with the audience it's entertaining it's a fun thing to do so for sure, you can burn a spot that way, but I'm tired of the they got ambushed in the back and they can't compete angle. That that's no bueno. Anyway, the rumble went off without a hitch. Uh, the prodigal son, Cody Rhodes, made his return and, and won the whole thing. I was also at odds at that man, like Cody Rhodes entering at number thirty to win it. Just it felt really cheap. It didn't feel important. I guess for my, for my old school, again, wrestling, my old school wrestling brain, my old school wrestling heart, and knowing that he is a Rhodes, like, I feel like his pops, I feel like Dusty Rhodes would have entered that thing at number one or two and damn near got eliminated, or he would have gotten knocked out outside, like, I think an excellent spot or an excellent use for Brock um, before being taken out by Bobby Lashley, of course, would have been to potentially, you know, pull Cody out of the ring, put him through a table, you know, knock him out of the match for a little while, and maybe Cody comes back after entering one or two, and maybe he comes back in the middle of the pack to fight his way back and really, really earn that dub. Now, of course, we're all talking about scripted stuff anyway, so (laughs) it doesn't really matter, but I think that scenario would have been a bit more impactful, especially with what happened later in the night. Like if you you really want to find out who's hot, who your go-to talent is, you got to have them, especially if they're in the babyface role, the good guy. If they're in that role, they almost always have to win from underneath, from the bottom, odds stacked against them. And that's what made Dusty Rhodes such a great act is he overcame the odds so many times he also succumbed to the odds so many times um that you never really knew when it was truly and genuinely his time and I I think that a continuing of that legacy through his son especially would have been stellar storytelling um but that was really honestly to me the the lowest point of the night was the men's rumble the pitch black match with Bray Wyatt and E. um I almost called him Eli Drake, L.A. Knight. Um, the pitch black match with uh, with Bray and uh, L.A. Knight was was fantastic. WWE is an entertainment company now, right? It can't be 100% wrestling 100% of the time. They have different audience and demographics to cater to. I get that for sure. Um, and that's why this match stood out to me. It was something different. They were... Fighting, wrestling under a black light. Everything that they touched lit up. Had this weird, eerie glow to it. L.A. Knight once again showing that not only can he go on the mic, but he's also pretty solid in the ring too. He put together a quick little in and out match with Bray, and that continued that storyline of you know Bray battling his inner demons and and the whole Uncle Howdy thing and all the characters from the Firefly Funhouse. I'm really interested to see where that comes from. Um, But yeah, man, that match was entertaining as all hell. I I enjoyed it, and and I'm looking forward to seeing what specifically happens with Bray at WrestleMania. I think that's going to be a spot to watch out for, because if you remember, if you're a wrestling fan, the last big angle that Bray Wyatt had at WrestleMania was that Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena. And... That thing was stellar. I did a whole piece on, uh, on that match and the merits of it over on YouTube. So if you want to check that out, make sure you uh, jump over to the YouTube channel and look at it. But I think that was also a very, very stellar match, a very stellar concept in, in the sense that it was a cinematic wrestling match unlike other cinematic wrestling matches. I, I enjoyed watching that one and I enjoyed the Pitch Black match as well. Bianca Belair and uh, Alexa Bliss was probably the biggest throwaway match of the night. Action was good and stellar, but there was no doubt in my mind that Bianca wasn't going to win that match. I think that match solely served the purpose of pushing forward the storyline with Alexa and Bray. Um, Now, given what happened with the Women's Royal Rumble, I can honestly say that Bianca Belair is in position... ...to potentially have one of the best matches of the night at WrestleMania. And I'm looking forward to that, for sure. Speaking of the Women's Rumble, it was, once again, the best of the two. The better of the two, I should say. The Women's Rumble outperformed the Men's Rumble by far. There was much more action. There was much more, um, I say, cool moments, awesome moments. And most importantly... I had no idea who the hell was going to win until they actually won. And that's the beauty of the Rumble match. For those who are unfamiliar, the Royal Rumble basically pits 30 competitors against each other, men or women, depending on you know what, what side of the fence they're on. Every uh, two people will enter. And then after that, every 90 seconds, allegedly, I've counted, and it's never 90 seconds. It's never 90 seconds. Um, But every 90 seconds thereafter, a new competitor enters until 30 competitors have come and gone. Um, The only way to win or to eliminate somebody in this match is to pick them up and throw them over the top rope. And there was plenty of that. There was plenty of that action in the women's Royal Rumble match. Um, Rhea Ripley entered at number one, and she ended up winning the whole damn thing. And I am very, very excited to see her and Bianca tear the house down at Mania, man. I think that is going to be a great match. And then the Rumble ended with um, Roman Reigns and and Kevin Owens for the... uh, wwe undisputed universal heavyweight championship i need to say before i talk about this match i cannot wait for them to separate those titles once again because that is the longest most ridiculous name for a title ever the wwe undisputed universal heavyweight championship come on y'all y'all do better please in this match sorry i was upset in this match, Roman and KO put on a, a good show. It was it was a solid back and forth match. Plenty of spots, plenty of action. Of course, Roman Reigns won. I was more captivated by what happened at the end of this match than I was with the actual match itself. So we saw the bloodline storyline really come to a head at the end here where... After victory, Roman is in the ring and he's commanding the Usos and he's commanding Solo and even Sami Zayn to continue this ruthless beatdown of Kevin Owens, right? Like, they're just beating his ass, they're putting the boots to him. They handcuff my man to the ring ropes And it's like you can see, you can tell Sami Zayn is is highly uncomfortable. And uh, as such, because he and Kevin Owens have been friends or had been friends for years and years and years beforehand. And uh, the bloodline continues to just drop this massive, massive beatdown on KO. And then finally, Sami has had enough and he steps in. He tries to stop the beatdown. Roman goes, he tells Roman, hey, you don't have to do this. That's enough. Roman goes, you're right. I don't have to do this. And he hands Sammy the chair. And my God, my God, the reaction to the people in that place, it was like we were watching Shakespearean theater <laughs> unfold in front of our very eyes, like the audience was held captive. And that that's honestly in a nutshell, that's one of my favorite things about pro wrestling. Like, yeah, I I get it. I understand it's not real. It's a bunch of men and women tumbling around in tights and it's not for everybody. That's cool. But when pro wrestling is done right, it can be the purest form of escapism and entertainment that you can buy into. And I think this bloodline story is the perfect Example of that. It had everything, man. It had betrayal two times over, high drama, high action, and it all came to a head last night at the Rumble. So, needless to say, Sami Zayn refused to take his best friend out with a chair shot and instead hits Roman in the back with a chair. He turns around to everybody else in the bloodline and he says, I'm sorry, I just couldn't do it. To which Jimmy Uso responds by kicking him in the mouth, a rightful and justified action. It's kind of like the mafia, right? You're not going to let somebody shoot the mob boss and walk out like, hey, guys, I had to do it. No, you're going to put them down, too. And that's exactly what Jimmy Uso did without even thinking. Put Sami Zayn down. And the moment, the moment Sami hit Roman with that chair, you can see the pa- the camera. Do this subtle pin over to Jey Uso, who is shocked and upset and maddened. Like, what did you just do? You're supposed to be my brother. And that's why I say, man, this, this storyline is, I think personally, and I've been watching wrestling for a long ass time, but I think this storyline might be one of the all-time greats, man. Like, it was just pulled off brilliantly and I I got other things to talk about so I don't want to ramble too long about this but I do want to say this this scenario in particular is kind of created now a parallel to a scenario that was happening in WWE a couple years back when Daniel Bryan first rose to prominence and the audience did not want To see the gentleman that the WWE had chosen to go on the main event, WrestleMania, they did not want to see them in the main event. And I kind of feel like now, after this bloodline story, Sami Zayn may very well be in that Daniel Bryan position. And Cody Rhodes is going to, you know, inadvertently end up being Randy Orton and Batista. Now, I don't know. I don't know. If Sami Zayn is the right person to dethrone Roman Reigns at this point, I don't know. But I do know that based on the reaction that the crowd gave him last night, he 100% has to play a role in Roman losing that title if he is not the one to dethrone him. So whether it be through an alliance with Cody or whether it be through some sort of last minute interference, I don't know. I don't care. WWE, you have to find a way to work Sammy into the conclusion of this. Otherwise, all this buildup, all this masterful storytelling that you've done will be all for naught. And you will end up having Cody Rhodes be the victim of a sour crowd because he is not the person that they want to see pushed at the forefront. Just like, ironically enough... Just like Roman Reigns was in that very same position a few years ago. Oh, here it goes. All right, switching gears a little bit. Are, y- uh, are y'all ready to start paying more money for your Netflix membership? Think about that for a second. Now, historically, rates for Netflix memberships have kind of consistently and slowly risen over the years. I remember when I first started out, it was 10 bucks a month. And they sent you a DVD in the mail, too, <laughs> that, that you had to return after a certain amount of time. But then we switched over to full time streaming and then it jumped from 10 bucks a month to 12, 12 to 15, 15 to 18 and so on and so forth. Well, now. According to uh, uh, multiple reports, Netflix is now starting to consider to raise the price on those Netflix subscribers who are sharing their passwords. Now, Netflix has long announced their intention to figure out a way to crack down on password sharing. All the while, after actually tweeting, it was a couple years ago, but I remember seeing the tweet and I remember sharing it that... Uh, Netflix tweeted, love is sharing your password. So they were aware that this was a thing, right? They've known that this has been happening for a very long time. But now, because of the explosion in Netflix's user base, and I'm going to assume because of the increasing cost to produce content, they are now trying to recoup some of that cost and they're going to do so. By either a kicking those Netflix moochers off of the plan, or b forcing those who are sharing their passwords to pay more to allow people outside of their household to use a shared Netflix account. Now this is uh, on the heels of some trials in other countries, mostly Latin America, and Netflix did notice that um, you know people didn't mind paying more for a subscription if that meant that they could to continue to pay for, or I'm sorry, that they get to continue to share their password. Now, initially, we could see something as light and as gentle as a reminder for those who are using a specific user's Netflix password outside of their home to, hey, log in using your own account. Now, I can't really personally, I can't really foresee that being a thing here in the States. We live in a capitalist society, and I know I feel like it's going to be full steam ahead, in which case somebody who is using your account outside of your home designated zip code that is not attached to your home designated IP address is gonna get shut down. And then if they continue to try to log in with your user ID and your password, then you as a primary subscriber are going to be assessed a fee. That is what I think is gonna happen and how they're going to accomplish that of course is just simply by using a combination of geolocation for one and uh, available technology. We all sign into our Netflix accounts on smart devices right so we have our smartphones we have our tablets we have our laptops we have our smart tvs we have our streaming sticks yada 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 but they always gather information about you the user before you can sign up for an account and part of that information just so happens to be your address so using your address what you say is your home address and by using um information from your IP address on your device or the IP address of several devices that you may use like they may say okay we recognize that you primarily watch Netflix on this roku stick but we also recognize that you have this laptop and this phone so we're going to allow you to access your netflix account on those devices but if we see a sign in from another roku stick or on a, a google tv device or a fire stick outside of this address and away from this ip address here we're going to pass a convenience fee down onto your account so that those other people whoever is not you that's using your account can continue to use them and so that we can continue to produce these really high quality shows uh, without taking too much of a hit so I think essentially that is what we're going to be looking at and Netflix has said or has been eyeing rolling this out as early as March which is you know we're at the tail end of January right now we could see that thing in, in the next month or so start to hit and um, I I don't know how I feel about it like part of me feels like if I'm already paying this much for the service, then I think I should be able to share it or access it wherever I see fit, however I see fit. But I also understand the business side of it as well. That's why certain applications or or certain um, programs like Spotify, for example, I pay for the family spotify package which allows myself and like five other family members to use the same account so i pay one central fee every month But they get to access Spotify just like I do, an unlimited amount. So I'm assuming that that is essentially what the future of Netflix looks like as well. You're going to either pay for, instead of having to pay for standard definition or high definition or, you know, uh, ultra HD 4K plus mega uh, (laughs) streaming content, you are going to choose whether you want an individual subscription and maybe that individual subscription also gives you access to um, ultra HD or 4k content. Um, And then you're also going to get those family subscriptions, which may allow you to use or share your Netflix password or Netflix account with X amount of people. Now the difference is I, I can't foresee them doing people but I can foresee them saying you can use your Netflix account on X amount of devices, which is really going to really going to cause people to, to tamp down on what devices they log into their Netflix account with going forward. Let's say hypothetically, they say, hey, we're going to jump the price of Netflix up to $25 a month and you can access it on five different devices. For somebody like myself, I know that I would be screwed because I have a smart TV upstairs in my office. I have a smart TV in the bedroom. I have a smart TV in the living room. That's three right there. I also access Netflix on my smartphone and I access Netflix on my tablet that's me alone five different devices Now, I also know that my wife likes to watch Netflix from time to time, and she may or may not be at the house, and I know that she also has her own laptop. She has her own smartphone. Um, Maybe she wants to put a movie on for the kids she teaches, so maybe she wants to throw something on in her classroom. That's eight devices right there. Things get really, really hairy, so it's going to be really interesting to see where Netflix takes this, and that, of course, is all... Worst case scenario, doom and gloom. But I mean, realistically, we could potentially be on the precipice of a Netflix subscription just absolutely skyrocketing based on the sheer amount of devices that you would need to be able to connect with if they decide to go that route. All right, guys, before we get out of here, I wanted to also speak to something that um, just recently happened in the news cycle. Um, it's been kind of heavy on my mind and I didn't know if I wanted to address it, but I mean that is essentially why I have this show to to discuss all things in society and pop culture and technology, the good and the bad and the otherwise. And this happens to fall into the bad and the otherwise category. Um, last week, we were all privy to, Yet another senseless killing of an unarmed black man at the hands of police officers. Uh, this happened in Memphis. Uh, the gentleman's name was Tyree Nichols, um, and this this whole thing just feels like another failure by law enforcement to protect and serve the the very thing that they take oaths to do. They consistently fail. One specific demographic, and and I know, I know, police don't just kill black people. I get that. I understand that. But it is televised so frequently. It is always, when it's televised, it's always a young black man. And I can't help but feel some kind of way. And with it being such a constant, inconsistent thing, like, I, I don't know if there's hope for change. I spent some time trying to digest everything that was happening and, of course, trying to gather the facts and figures because naturally, unfortunately, the first thing is, okay, what happened? Was he doing something wrong? What's the optics of this? And it just, it, it was something that was completely and totally, once again, unnecessary. It should have been a routine traffic stop that should have most likely ended in a ticket at worst. At worst, it should have ended with a ticket. But instead, another young man has lost their lives. I came across a tweet from LeVar Burton um, that was really, it was really powerful, and it really made me think, And the tweet, and these are his words, um, the tweet was that the dehumanization of black people has always been essential to our enslavement. Skip back 10 seconds, replay that, and replay it again. The dehumanization of black people has always been essential to our enslavement. That statement could not be more real. Because for whatever reason, no matter what happens in this world, no matter how much good, no matter how much progress, no matter how much light my people, black people, put out into the world, we will always continue to be treated as less than. Now, I know footage has been released, um, body cam footage of, of the incident in particular where Five police officers took it upon themselves and maybe, maybe more. I'm hearing, I'm hearing something that was really sad and really sickening that there may have even been more officers involved. Um, The body cam footage shows this brutal assault, this malicious attack, this murder, this homicide caught on film. I have not watched it. And I most likely never will. I don't, I personally, I don't need to see another young black person. I can't even say man, because there's been black women too. I can't see, I can't stomach watching another black person be snuffed out by police officers who once again took an oath to protect and serve. Now, the one thing that really bothered me was finding out that all five of the officers that were involved in this incident, at least the officers that the media is talking about, were all black men. And I don't wanna say that the fact that they were black makes this worse, but at the same time it does. Because as black men in America, Police officer or not, you are exposed to the struggle just as much and just as well as that young man was. You know what time it is. You know, black men, black women across America all, already are going to fear you because of your title and your position. You see the same stories about the unjust treatment black men and women receive in this country on the daily. And yet when it came down to it, you, an officer of the law, failed to properly identify a scenario in which you ended up perpetuating the very stereotypes and fears and stigmas that's associated with your title that causes black men and black women to feel like they have to run for their life. And much like George Floyd last year, a couple of years ago, this young man died calling out for his mom. And I I can't imagine, I cannot imagine the feeling that his mother must feel. And that his father must feel as a parent. Knowing that your child was calling out for you, and there was nothing that you can do in that moment to protect them. Things in this country one way, shape or another need to change. But I don't know. I genuinely don't know where we start. Thank you guys so very much for checking out this episode of the curated culture. I appreciate y'all rocking with your boy. Um, Sorry to end it on such a somber note, uh, but I had to get that off my chest, man. It was uh, it's 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 rough to see things like that. It's rough to hear it. Um, And as such, I'm going to end things a little bit differently. Um, Socials, of course. Make sure you're checking us out Um, at the curated culture, Facebook and Instagram at underscore curated culture on Twitter at Robbie Diesel virtually everywhere. But the one biggest thing that I want y'all to do outside of a subscribe or a like or a follow or a share or anything like that, man, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Because at this point, we're the only people we can depend on. Y'all take it easy, and I will catch y'all next week. Peace.